Insightful podcasts by informative hosts. Insights into things. A podcast network. Welcome to Insights into Entertainment, a podcast series taking a deeper look into entertainment and media. Your hosts, Joseph and Michelle Whalen, a husband and wife team of pop culture fanatics, are exploring all things from music and movies to television and fandom. Welcome to Insights into Entertainment. This is episode 22, Rabbit Resistance. I'm your host, Joseph Whalen, and my weird and wonderful co-host, Michelle Whalen. Hello, my love. Hello, dear. How are you today? I'm doing okay. How are you? I am fantastic. So from our brief little intro there and your shirt today... Um, yeah, we can't see it with that camera angle, oh, but that's sorry. okay. Well, let me, here you go. Switch to that camera. There you go. So we went somewhere last night. We did. That was awesome. Where'd we go? We went to Philly. We went to a uh, venue that we had never been before called the Met. Mm-hmm. And we saw Weird Al. Strings attached. We did indeed. That was first of all. I want to say it was mm-hmm. an absolutely gorgeous theater that we were at. Yes, it, uh, 1908, I believe, is when the theater originally opened. It was obviously done as an operatic. Had that that turn of the century feel to it. Yep. You know, you were expecting Lincoln. You know. Yep. They had the Lincoln <laughs> booth there and, <laughs> to be uh, shot. Yeah. Uh, very beautiful. Uh, uh, theater parking was horrible, but well, it's Philly. Parking it's Philly. You know, there there really wasn't a, a good place to park. Um, there was for fifty bucks. For but, fifty bucks, you know. yeah, you could definitely park really well. Um, but yeah, beautiful venue. Um, you know, not really a bad seat in the house. The way no, it was no, was, it was set great up. Layout. Great, great layout. Great layout. Um, and obviously, it was Weird Al. I've seen him before. It was your first time yep. seeing him. It was Maddie's first time, you know, seeing him. Lots of kids. Yeah, I was surprised um, at how many kids were yeah, there. That blew my mind. It's definitely a family-friendly, yeah. you know, event. Um, the lo- walk the walk from the parking lot there was not necessarily family-friendly. <laughs> that that friendly. wasn't family-friendly. Um, but, yeah, and just happy people. Yeah. You know, I obviously knew a friend, you know, my friend Marnie was there uh, with her boyfriend, Bob, and then she knew like five other people that were that were there. Um, Just a very friendly crowd, like nobody was in a bad mood. Lots of Hawaiian shirts, lots of Star Wars shirts. It was relaxed. It was a very geeky, nerdy, friendly feeling place to be. Yeah. It was a good time. It was a good time. And we Definitely. do have we have a little medley. Uh, we from, do from some of the clips that yeah. we did. We'll 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 play for you guys now.
So very cool concert. Uh, we all had a great time, and it is worth noting uh, the first scene in that clip. He did have a 41-piece full orchestra uh, who opened up the show mm-hmm. yep. with uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark right. and a few other great uh, movie TV themes yeah. that really set the mood. They So they opened yeah. up and they took a 20-minute uh, intermission. After they played their four songs. Yep. Yeah. And then they came back out. Weird Al came out, and the accompaniment with Weird Al's mm-hmm. band was just, it was incredible. It was an experience that I've never had before, and, yeah, and it I'll was, never forget. Yeah, it, Weird Al definitely puts on a, a good show. He, yep. you know, um, he he does his corny stuff, you know, and he, he does the costume changes, as you could see, you know, like he kind of started off doing more of a jazzy rendition of a couple of songs of his, right, uh, right. a little medley, then kind of goes into it, um, does some of his parodies that, you know, most people know, you know, of him if you're not, you know, like a, a, a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if you are a fan and you know some of his original stuff, you know, he, he goes into that too. Um, and it was neat because uh, to kind of help break it up, to help his transition of the costume change, he would show video clips. And yes, it's just yes. amazing, to, you know, the the career span that he's had yeah. for what he's done. You know, yeah, like, yeah. you know, uh, our, our daughter was kind of commenting on it like, wow, I didn't realize he did all this stuff. You know, the voiceover work, you know, all the different cartoons that he's yeah. he's lent his voice to, you know, and then the, the funnier die uh, movie parody of, of Weird Al and, right. you know, how, you know, he and Madonna were, right, right. you know, they <laughs> they were a couple and, and stuff and, and the spoof of that and and everything. And, you know, it, it's it's awesome to see a good guy you know still have a career yeah. you know after being a parody yeah you know, it was song, it was awesome and writer, i would definitely so. go back to see him again mm-hmm. uh and and we have another special clip uh if you guys stick around after the credits mm-hmm. uh we have another special clip from the show we're gonna we're gonna put out there mm-hmm. but uh weird alice sign we do have a very um Busy show today. We sure do. So in Disney Detective, we're going to talk about how Disney spoiled the um, final request of an unfortunate young boy. Uh, We will talk about what was a viral video of a violent encounter at Disneyland and uh, the outcome to that. Uh, Then we'll talk about uh, Disney having a rabies problem in... uh, in Disney World, and then we'll talk about our announcements for the opening dates for Rise of the Resistance at both Disney World and Disneyland. Then in our entertainment news, we have some Harry Potter Wizards Unite news to talk about with the new event coming out. We have a new Flintstone series in the works. Uh, then we have uh, some... News on Descendants 3 in the wake of uh, one of the star's um, passings. And uh, a brief in memorial. And then we'll get to our insightful picks of the week. So, are we ready to get down to it? Sure, let's do it. All righty. Go for Disney Detective. Um, so as you, you mentioned, uh, this was a story that, that came out um, a couple of weeks ago, actually. Um, there was a, a father, Lloyd Jones, whose son, Ollie, um, had passed away after a uh, rare genetic condition. Um, and when he had passed away, the father had actually wanted to do an engraving of Spider-Man on his uh, headstone. Um, he had been a huge fan of Spider-Man, and actually one of the last trips that they had taken as a family was actually to Disneyland um, so that he had, you know, so that the son had a chance to actually meet his hero. Um, and so the father had actually contacted his local... Uh, town to see if they could put the engraving on the headstone and the local um, 
ta- the town uh, council had actually said, well, you really should c- contact Walt Disney, you know, Walt Disney Company. And unfortunately, Disney refused uh, the request, claiming that it would ruin the innocence and magic of the company's famed characters. Uh, Disney actually sent their condolences um, and noted that they were honored that they had played a small part in his son's happiness. Um, Disney actually cited a policy from Walt Disney himself, which said, quote, does, uh, does not permit the use of characters on headstones, cemetery, or other memorial markers or funeral urns. Uh, the company did offer the family a one-of-a-kind illustration of Spider-Man, which included a special message to uh, their son. Um, it prompted an online petition to, you know, to change things. Um, the father also added that on Ollie's last holiday uh, at Disneyland, he loved Spider-Man and brought him all the toys. But now that his son has died, he won't be spending any more money on Disney stuff because they just don't care. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a, uh, as you know, a big fan of Disney, but Disney is totally in the wrong on this one. No, I think I, I, I kind of see their... Well, first of all, Spider-Man's not a Disney character. Well, no, he's he's Marvel. Yeah. Yes, so I no, understand that. There's no magic around Spider-Man. I'm sorry. So right. This was, this was the wrong decision on Disney's part. There was absolutely no reason you shouldn't do this for, for a child who, you know, unfortunately isn't with us anymore. No, and I understand that, but I could see wanting to bury your child with a Spider-Man toy or a stuffed animal of whatever, but to put it on a headstone, I just, you know, it, it's not for the, the child's. No, it's, you a, know, it's, it's a coping mechanism for the parents no, who and lost I, a I child. And who the hell are Disney to, to deny them that? You so know. they're going to give him a special a special picture. That's no, I see. You know, it, it would have been you know nice, but it's been their policy for you know for Disney characters, and I'm okay. You know, with Disney right, characters, right. that's fine. Right, Spider Man is not a Disney character. Right, but he's owned by Disney now. That, so, but that I think that's, that's completely where... irrelevant to this case because the spirit of they're citing a rule that Walt Disney himself came up right, with. Who right. didn't own Spider-Man at the time. Right. So the rule does not apply to characters that didn't exist at the time. I'm sorry. It just okay. It's another example of Disney doing it wrong. Okay. No. So anyway, what's the next thing we can bash? I mean, what's the next Disney story we have? <laughs> so the next Disney story, which I'm sure if you've you know been on social media or read the news was a lovely family argument that happened actually at Disneyland in Toontown. So probably one of the most uh, happiest places, I guess, Uh, you know, more kid-friendly, kid-centric. It's, you know, where uh, toddlers and and young kids can can go play. So a brawl broke out between family members. So, yay, happiest place on earth. Um, so there was a fight that broke out and there was a, um, another, uh, visitor to the park that actually took the video of it and posted it. Uh, now we do have the video, but we're not going to play the no, video. No, we're not going to play the video. It's an exceptionally violent event. Yeah. So, you know, basically the, the brother hit the sister after somebody spit on somebody else um, you know, and, and nobody really wanted to break it up, which I don't, don't blame them, uh, you know, blame them for, cause you know, they were kind of, uh, violent, <laughs> um, you know, basically, you know, the first person attacks the, the woman and knocks to the ground and then punching and whatever. Uh, basically the, the park said that, you know, the parties involved all deny that anything had occurred and, you know, they weren't there to witness it. Uh, the video at the time hadn't been available to the police. I'm sure by now they, they've seen it. Um, so what was really funny was I saw a headline where the family 
basically denied <laughs> anything that happened. I'm like, how do you deny that after, you know, thousands of people have now seen, you know, the fools you made yourself, you know, you made of yourselves, in, in, you know, while you were uh, at the park? Well, that's the interesting thing. There was more than one video. Right. There was one video that's that's circulated, but there were right. multiple people that were taking mm-hmm. the video. Right, right. And what struck me as the most heinous part of all of this, it took Disney nearly five minutes to get security on site there. Right. And that kind of shocked me because, you know, from what I've always known, not you know, not only is regular security around, but there's you know, from what I always knew, undercover security, you know, and we've actually seen them pop into action. Um, Well, I had an incident at downtown Disney. Right. When we were meeting for the gaming group. Right. Where we were approached by four or five individuals from Disney security. Right. Two uniformed, three plain clothes. Mm -hmm. When the, one of the individuals we were meeting with, they noticed he had a holster on. Right. Didn't right. have a weapon on. He left the weapon locked up in his car. Right. But uh, but yeah, I mean, if they can notice that in downtown Disney, Disney Springs or whatever it is now. Right. Right. How can this go on for five minutes? And you had a custodian there in the video. You see a custodian, Disney cast member, show up. Right. Does nothing, which I can't fault him for that. It's not his job to do right, that. Right, exactly. And and that's probably, they're probably trained not to right, interact with something how, like that. How did he call somebody at that point in time? Because it took a full three minutes, three and a half minutes before somebody else showed right. up to break up the fight. Right. To the point that you had other guests who just couldn't stand by anymore. Right. I mean, right. there's a one point in time where he's, he's, punching this woman in the head violently she falls down he's picking her up by her hair and trying to drag her at that point in time right and and finally you know you had a couple of decent people in the crowd there who i don't know how you can sit there and videotape that right and not do something about right, it right but you had several individuals who you know stepped up and tried to stop the violence at that point in time right and that's and that's more of the the mentality that you see nowadays is that people are quick to, well, let me just video it. I'm not going to, you know, get involved. You know, I don't want a lawsuit happening against me, but let me, let me get it on, you know, recorded to see it. This is another example of Disney doing it wrong. How can you let a fight like that between four or five people go on for five minutes before security shows up? Now, I don't feel any sense of safety for my family going to a Disney park at this yeah, point in where time. Yeah, you always if felt If someone can Disney... sit there and assault you for five minutes before Disney does anything about right, it. Right, right. That's shameful. Just shameful. So what's the next one we can bust on uh, <laughs> Disney? So another happy Disney news. Now in Florida, on the other side, um, health officials in Florida have issued a 60-day rabies alert for an area surrounding Disney's popular Epcot theme park, uh, urging tourists and residents to avoid any stray dogs or other wildlife. So hang on, let me stop you there for a second. (laughs) So I got a laugh out of this. So they advise you to avoid contact with feral cats, stray Stray dogs, dogs. wildlife, particularly raccoons, bats, foxes, skunks, otters, bobcats, and coyotes. Just in case. Do they need to tell me to stay away from bobcats? <laughs> Was that really necessary? Yes. Just in case, you know, oh, look, there's our local bobcat <sighs> oh, that we right. leave cat food for. Exactly. Because that happens all the time. You never, well, down there, you never know. People have pet gators and other things. And stay away from the packs of coyotes. So <laughs> are these animals actually roaming Disney parks is what I want to know. I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> Well, you know, if you do go on Splash Mountain, you have all the wild animals at the... the well, and I'm thinking, <laughs> all right, so even if they don't have rabies, should you really have bobcats and coyotes on your on your park property at that point in time? Well, and they might not, you know, they, they might be in the wilderness area that they just don't, you know. I, I guess they might, yeah, but... Maybe they're annual pass holders, you just don't know. This is great, so now I can go to Disney and get rabies. <laughs> awesome. Yay. 
So, and our final uh, Disney news is opening dates have now been announced for Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. So, that is the second ride that is in the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge uh, addition to the park. Um, So, they finally made the announcements. Um, Now, for... California, it was actually supposed to be December 5th, which happens to be Walt Disney's birthday, uh, was when Rise of the Resistance was supposed to be opening in California, but it's actually going to be the opening day in Hollywood Studios in Florida. Um, so why? what's the reasoning behind that? So the reasoning behind it is because the... Engineers are actually still in Florida now getting the park uh, Galaxy's Edge ready in Calif- in Florida. Um, Galaxy's Edge is actually going to be opening on August 29th down in Florida. Well, the engineers are actually just going to stay in Florida and finish up everything there and then go back to California and finish everything there. Well, that makes sense because Disney doesn't have nearly enough money (laughs) to fund two engineering teams, right? Right. I don't know why they they didn't do that. Uh, But anyway, so on the West Coast, it'll actually open a little over a month later um, on January 17th. So... And they had previously announced an earlier date for right, California they had, that they've now pushed back as a result of this decision. Right. So instead of going back forth, back and forth, they're going. They went from one to the other, and See, then, and that is how Disney has more money than God is that they make these money saving decisions like this. Right. Absolutely. That's that's why they do that. Okay. So that's it for our Disney detective. Shall we move on to our? Entertainment news, or was there more bashing I could do? On this no, week? I think I think we're good for we're now. Not, we're good for this week. Okay. <laughs> You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> yes, you are. Uh, so, as we had mentioned, um, we had started playing the Wizards Unite game uh, a couple of weeks ago. We started playing. Um, and they had actually made an announcement that they're going to be doing a community day on July 20th. So not a lot of news has come out about it. Um, basically, it was posted on their uh, the Wizards Unite Twitter account, um, basically saying, save the date, more information uh, to come. So again, not really sure what it's going to, to entail. Um, but since... Wizards Unite is kind of based off of Pokemon Go with the same kind of concept of you go around to various places and find things and and um, do different things with, with other people. Um, they were basically saying, here's what it could be. Basically, with um, Pokemon Go, from what my understanding is, because again, we've never played that, when they would do their community days, there'd be special limited edition, one of a kind things that you could find or activities to play. But usually it's only been for like a three hour period. So oh, kind of like a Gilligan's Island tour. Basically. So different um, people were posting saying, hey, I hope that it's not just a three hour thing or I hope it's going to be something where stuff's going to be out and about, you know, more available, you know, because there were a lot of people that were saying that still with um, Wizards United, uh, Wizards Unite, that still people have to actually travel pretty far to find things, you know, things aren't popping up, you know, all over the place. Right, uh, right. You know, like for us, we happen to live in a populated area where we don't have to drive very far to find an inn right. to, to get do, more power. We do cheat and drive slow so we get our, <laughs> our walking in. Right, exactly. So more information hopefully will come out. Um, you know, but most of the time, like I said, with Pokemon Go, it was a three-hour window. Right. Um, so I don't know if it's going to be the same thing or if it'll be kind of an all-day event to kind of get well, out. The event and that they just had ran for... For a couple of days. A couple of days, yeah. yeah. Yeah, But I don't know if it, it was 
you know, that was an event where they had special things where you could get special powers and stuff. So this might be. And they were, it was incredibly frustrating because those damn unicorns just did not want to <laughs> be set free. We were trying so hard to help them. Um, so it'll be interesting to see because this will be the, the first one. And, and uh, so we'll see what it's like. All right. And we're going back to uh, Bedrock, it looks like. Yeah, it looks like. So Elizabeth Banks um, and her production company are in talks with Warner Brothers Animation to do a Flintstones series. Uh, so the project is still in early development, and it's kind of dis- uh, been described as a primetime animated adult comedy series, um, which is what the original show was a was actually meant to be. It wasn't meant to be a kid's show. It was kind of a, a honeymooners right, right. Uh, take off in, in some respects, but set obviously, you know, prehistoric time and animated. Um, so the Flintstones originally ran for six seasons um, and over 150 episodes on ABC between 1960 and 1966. The series obviously followed the misadventures of the Stone Age family, which was Fred and Wilma with their daughter Pebbles and their family pet Dino. And the show obviously had the neighbors of the Rubbles, who were Fred's best friend Barney, Wilma's fr- best friend Betty, and their son Bam Bam. Um, And then Bam Bam and Pebbles, as they got older, they got married and they had their own show. So there were obviously various spinoffs. Did they really? Because I don't remember seeing that. (laughs) Really? You never saw that? I never saw that one. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. They actually had like a a teen show and then they actually had a, a show where they were older. Um, and obviously there have been the various movies that they've... Which were just which, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they're, you know, they're they're still in talk. So could be interesting to, to see them try and bring that, uh, bring that back. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and our last uh, news, which uh, is a little sad. Um, so... After our podcast, we had done our podcast last week, news came out um, that Cameron uh, Boyce, um, who was a Disney Channel star, uh, had passed away at the age of 20. Um, Not a lot of news had come out as to uh, what had happened, um, but more news had come out um, and that he had actually had epilepsy. And had actually passed away from a seizure, yeah, the results of in a his in his sleep. Um, so it was very sad. Um, lots of celebrities <sighs> posting, um, you know, their condolences. Uh, Adam Sandler, he had actually uh, uh, played his son in Grown Ups One and Two. Uh, he um, had been in Descendants, which is. Um, Disney's uh, made-for-TV movie um, where it's the children of villains and and growing up and and stuff. Um, So some news that came out. uh, So Descendants 3 um, is actually going to be premiering in August, August 2nd. um, And they were actually going to have a big red carpet event. And Disney actually decided to cancel it in the wake of um the the death of of Cameron and actually donate the money to uh, a foundation that he had actually been very involved in um it was ref- very uh refreshingly uh decent of Disney to do oh that. definitely so they had said um we're proud to be a part of Cameron Boyce's legacy by showcasing his talents on screen, but we are canceling the red carpet premiere event of Descendants 3 scheduled for July 22nd, and instead the Walt Disney Company will make a donation to the Thirst Project, um, an organization to which Cameron was deeply committed. Um, With permission from the Boyce family, Disney Channel will dedicate the telecast of Descendants 3 in his memory. Um... So we thought, you know, I thought that was that was a very nice move, yeah, you know, nice. on on that their part, nice. um, you know, and the family is still trying to navigate their way, you know, through all of this. And 
You know, it was a it was difficult a difficult situation. Oh, absolutely, way. especially at that age, man. That's yeah. just and that and that was the thing we were even talking about it at at work was that when the news came out, you know, and he was so young, it was like, please let it not be an overdose. Yeah. Let it not be this, you know. So it was. And it's not much more of a relief knowing it's that not, it wasn't. It's not, but at least, you know, Disney didn't, you know, spoil another kid yeah. type thing. And, you know, and, and still very heart-wrenching, you know, because he was so young. And, and he, he was a good actor, you know. Yeah. Maddie and I have seen various things that, you know, that he was in. You know, he had a promising career, so it was sad that it was cut so short. Yeah. Well, that will lead us into our in memorial when we come back. You know, it would be nice one of these weeks to not have to do one of these. Yeah, it uh, would be. These are, uh, it's brief this week, you know, in addition to Cameron Boyce's death, we just reported. We have two others to report on. Um, so let's... Get to it. Let's get to it. So, you know, a little bit of childhood, you know, fading away. Um, so it was announced uh, Willy Wonka actress Denise Nickerson uh, had passed away at age 62. Very, very young. Um, you might not know the name, but you would definitely know her if you saw her. Um, obviously, you might not notice her, you know, in, in her uh her older self, but she was uh, Violet Beauregard in the 1971 film Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Um, she was the gum snapping, uh, eventually <laughs> uh, turning purple uh, Violet uh, Beauregard, as I mentioned. Um, uh, she actually was taken off of life support on Tuesday by her family. Uh, she had actually suffered a major medical emergency at home on Monday and she was admitted to Colorado Hospital's ICU. Um, she had actually had a severe stroke back in June of 2018. Um, and at this point, her family had said they basically took her off of all of the equipment because nothing was actually helping. It was basically just making her more uncomfortable. And the family said that we were telling her that it's okay to go. Yeah. Um, they actually had uh, posted on on Facebook on uh, Wednesday about it. Um, so very sad. Um, but again, at least she's no longer in pain, and that's that's true. You know that that's the main thing. Um, and in other sad news, uh, Rip Torn, uh, the actor, <clears throat> excuse me, best known for Men in Black, Men in Black, and the Larry Sanders Show, passed away at age eighty eight. Uh, he was an Emmy Award-winning actor who starred in Men in Black, The Larry Sanders Show, of various other movies and, and TV series, you know, had a career, you know, spanning, you know, decades. Um, and it was actually The Larry Sanders Show that kind of brought him back into the public eye after, you know, being so many, you know, you know, he was always very active, but you know, wasn't as popular. And then obviously men in black, uh, you know, helped to, to revitalize, uh, as well for the younger, the younger crowd, um, in a statement to NPR, uh, his publicist, uh, hadn't released the cause of death, but said that he was at home surrounded by his family in Connecticut. Um, he had a seven decade career, um, with almost 200 credits to his name. So not, not a bad life. Uh, he survived by six children, four grandchildren, his wife, and his sister. That's a impressive legacy to leave behind. Mm -hmm. Yep, sure is. Unfortunately, that is all we had in our in memorial this week. So, shall we move on to our insightful pick? Sure, let's do it. All right, dear, I turn it over to you. All right, so I had a hard time this week with my insightful pick because I kind of started watching something on Netflix, and I was like, all right, this isn't so bad. And then when I started to, <laughs> to research about it, I was like, wow, this is really kind of bad. <laughs> I don't know if I want to do this as my insightful pick. But then I was like, ah, what the heck? 
Let's do it. That's a spoiler. <laughs> we didn't say they were good picks, just insightful no. ones. This this is kind of like uh, it's almost like it's a car wreck, and you want to keep watching in a way. Like you know, it's not real, but eh, whatever. You kind of just it's really more for the entertainment value. So where you always do some sort of historical documentary, rich in history. I kind of went with a docudrama where it wants to be real, but I think a lot of it's... The names haven't been changed to protect the <laughs> right. innocent here. Right. So it's a six-part docudrama uh, that's on Netflix called The Last Sars. Um, and it basically follows... Uh, it's the story of the last Romanov emperor, Tsar Nicholas II. Um, so they kind of try and do it a little bit like The Crown or Victoria, but yet they have interviews with um, historians. So it, it kind of does the document the documentary style with clips of historians talking about various things. So, hey, this kind of happened and we speculate this is kind of happened. Um, so for the person who, if you don't know anything about the Romanoffs, it might be, and you're not really like, hey, I want to watch a documentary. This is kind of a, a good segue, but kind of take it with a little bit of grain of salt. Pretend like you watched it on the internet. Right, exactly. Um, so it, it it's funny because the, um, on Amazon Prime there was actually a, a series called The Romanoffs, a, a mini series, um, which was basically it centered around people who believed they were related and descendants of the Romanoffs, and it was funny because when I saw a um, a, a trailer from that, that kind of piqued my interest. And when I watched it, it wasn't really what I was looking for. I didn't actually end up finishing the series. So then when I saw the clip for this, I was like, oh, maybe this is kind of, you know, because I was looking for that crown, right? you know-esque. You needed that fix of British accents. Right. And so you watched a Russian documentary. But none, nobody has Russian accents, really. So that was kind of funny, too. <laughs> so everybody, again, has, has British accents also. So, again, it it talks about, you know, it, it's basically from when, you know, Nicholas comes to power and it will take up until, you know, he, he's he's murdered with his, his family. And then it even delves a little bit into the whole Anastasia thing um, because there's a, a woman it kind of starts off with, oh, we think she might be, you know, the lost daughter. Well, you um, know, in their defense, there is a lot of uncertainty surrounding a lot of the oh, last days of the Romanovs. Oh, absolutely. And it's a six-part series. Something about Natasha and Black Widow or something came out of that. <laughs> oh, or, was that that's interesting. So it's one of those, if you're not like the, like, I think you'd watch it and you'd probably cringe. You'd be like, I, I, I've watched one or two episodes with you and it's like, that's not how that happened. No, you didn't watch it with me. I'm pretty sure I did. No. I watched one of them with you. No, because I've been watching it while I'm working out. So you were probably okay. watching something else. Okay. <laughs> something else that you cringed at. Going, oh, that's so not. Yeah. So this is the history show for people that don't watch. History. So this is fake history. It's kind of fake, but it's not because the people are it's real. Like fake news, but old. Right, exactly. So it's it's the people are real. Some of the the things are kind of speculative. If that's the way it really happened, you know, a lot of creative license. Yeah, creative license, but they have you know the historical people that are talking about it. So it kind of makes it seem like it's okay. Real, you know, I'll buy that. yeah. So again, it's one of those guilty pleasure shows. Like I might have to watch it just to see how much I cringe at it. Yeah, yeah, you will. Okay. Well, well, thank you for the pick. No problem. So my pick this week 
should come as no surprise that it's a documentary. Oh my God, is it real? Actually, actually, it is. It's a bio, biographical documentary. Oh, okay. Uh, it's a movie called Life After Flash. Life After Flash is a feature documentary that explores the life of Sam J. Jones since the iconic his iconic performance as Flash Gordon in the 1980 classic of the same name and the aftermath of the young star's clash with one of Hollywood's biggest legends, producer Dino De Laurentiis. Mm, okay. Uh, it's an inspiring and moving feature documentary that celebrates what makes uh, that Mike Hodges enduring classic so iconic with audiences to this day and looks at the real man behind the heroic mask, his successes, his battles, and his ultimate struggle for redemption. Uh, it stars Sam Jones, Melody Anderson, Brian Blessed, uh, Topol, uh, Peter Wingar, basically all the stars of the show. They even bring back Brian May from Queen to talk about Queen's involvement. In oh, okay, because they were the musical they did part the music, of music. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, nostalgia associated with it. They talk about um, some of the labor disputes that uh, Sam Jones, who was a relative novice at the time when he came in, and he right. was given some bad advice from his representation mm -hmm. to sort of hold out. And after the filming was done, um, there was supposed to be a session to go back and do voiceovers for the audio track and everything. And he had held out going back. They had broke for a holiday break. They were filming in Europe. He came back to the U.S. Okay. Uh, decided that he was going to hold out for more money uh, based on his recommendation to by his, his management. And they basically shut him down and brought in a completely different actor to do the voiceovers for him. Oh, wow. So, um, and then it sort of follows his career after that. And it's neat because a lot of his interviews are at a Comic-Con. Okay. So they follow him around as he's setting his booth up and stuff like that. <laughs> okay. And, you know, they talk to his children. They talk to his uh, ex-wife. Um, and it's a, it's a very moving um, portrayal of how show business, how cruel show business mm, can really yeah, be. Yeah. Um, where he was basically blacklisted for a long time. Um, got some acting jobs here and there. Uh, I remember watching him in the 80s in a, in a uh, dystopian television series called Highwayman, which I used to love okay. watching. And then he sort of fell into obscurity. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I can't I can't remember anything else that he was yeah, ever he, really in after that. He sort of fell into obscurity and hit the a harsh reality that he had to support his family. Mm. And he's a former Marine. Okay. So he sort of pivoted on that training and experience and went into private security. Okay. So he was a personal bodyguard to some high profile individuals, moving people through foreign countries and stuff like All that. Right. Okay. Um, and it was, it seemed very well suited to his personality. Mm -hmm. It was something that really picked him up. Um, and, and that's shown through the documentary mm -hmm. itself. And then when the movie Ted came out, okay, uh, he was asked by um, the producer, director of Ted okay. to, and I can't for the life of me. Seth MacFarlane. Seth MacFarlane, thank mm -hmm. you. Uh, he was asked to come and basically portray himself okay. in the movie. And it turned out to be a very exaggerated version of himself and stuff right, like right. that just for the purpose of, of the movie. Right. Uh, but that wound up getting him the kind spotlight that he in. needed. Okay. He's, been, he's been acting again since then. So Well, that's good. Um, very interesting behind-the-scenes look at how the industry works. Mm, right. And, and the movers and shakers and what to do, what not to do. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the rules behind the game. Right, right. So it was a very interesting behind-the-scenes look at Flash Gordon, too. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the, the interview with Brian May mm -hmm. and the talks that he had and that Queen had with uh, Dino De Laurentiis during the whole thing where they had basically done the whole soundtrack and Brian May wanted to do the the, the, 
the theme song, the hero song for it. Right. Which everyone recognizes, you know, the original Flash Gordon theme song for the right. movie. Right. And they debuted it for uh, Dino. He didn't like it. He's like, oh, it's very good, but not for my movie. Right. So then they screened the movie in a private screening with a bunch of other people. Uh-huh. They loved it, you know, and it just matched the action perfectly. Right, right, right. And the decision was made. So it was kind of little cool stories like that cool. that were, were really neat. So I think I will have to go and watch that now. It's definitely worth a watch. It's available uh, now on Amazon Prime for streaming. Awesome. So Good pick. Did we have any afterthoughts? I don't think we did do okay. we i don't think so no. i don't think so i think we had a jam-packed week for sure we did uh, i think that's it for this week uh just a gentle reminder stick around did you want to plug the uh, facebook oh i did uh so i just set up a facebook page for our podcast so any of you that are for the network not for for the, the network <laughs> right, exactly so it's uh insights into things podcast uh, on Facebook and there's a link to our webpage and I will try and remember to uh, upload links to our weekly podcasts on there. Uh, so like us, give us a like, thumbs up. Yep. And uh, if you're not already subscribed, obviously subscribe. And again, uh, the podcast is available through the website, uh, both audio, video. We have transcripts and show notes. And I think that is it. Stick around after the uh, credits for a special treat. Absolutely. All right. We're out. We are out. Have a good week, everyone. Take care.